Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We are so glad that you're here. And if you're new to Stevens Creek, my name is Marty Baker and I am thrilled that you're here. You probably received a worship guide when you walked in the door. Hey, there's a tear-off card. Uh, it's called a Connect card. If you, over the next few minutes, just fill it out and drop in the offering basket as it goes by. But there's also inside a fill-in-the-blank um, a message guide. So you can take that out now. Mine's already filled out because I went to the first service. Uh, but it's actually filled out earlier in the week. <laughs> so if you want to know the uh, little cheat sheet, here it is. Um, but no, we're, we're glad that you're here. It's a great day. You know, Sunday is always a great day. I just, I love Sundays and it, it's definitely, uh, Sunday to me is, is the best day of the week. Uh, you know, not every day is Sunday. You know, some days I, I wake up and I think, do I even want to get out of bed? Have you ever had a day that you say, man, I don't even know if I want to get out of bed today. You ever had a bad day? Uh, let me show you some pictures of, of what it looks like to have a bad day. You know, you go to Daytona and you, and you forget to put on your emergency brake. Now, that's a bad day, okay? Or maybe you go to a big city and you want to go to work and get on the bus, and then you get off the bus. Oh, that's a bad day. Or how about you want to go to a theme park, and you get on a ride, and all of a sudden the ride stops. Man, that would freak me out. I'm telling you, I don't even like a Ferris wheel. I don't even like, you know, when it goes and just the stops on top, uh, just to let people own on the bottom. I don't like that. I can't imagine that uh, being, but how about if you got to go to work and then, um, you know, uh, the shark doesn't like you working, but how about this? You always got to learn to put on the brakes. Now the brakes I'm talking about, my dad used to drive a hearse. Uh, when you put a coffin in a hearse, there's little brakes that flip up to keep the, the coffin in there. If you don't do that, this is what's going to happen. That's a bad day at the funeral home. Okay. But don't show the next one yet. Let me say, the next one is the bad day. Okay, all of you can relate to this. Ne- well, maybe you not relate to it, but you wouldn't want to relate. This is the absolute worst. This is the worst. Show. Okay. Yes, that's the worst. Okay, it's the worst. All of a sudden, the windstorm comes up. And, you know, it's... The- now, the funny thing is that notice the, the logo on the... The honey bucket. I don't know how sweet the honey bucket is, okay? Needless to say, those folks were having a very, very bad day. I mean, they're like Alexander. You know, the terrible, horrible, no good, very, very bad day. Uh, They understood that for sure. You know, sometimes life can be tough because we're inundated with bad news. And, and we've all had our share. And, and I think it's time that we had some good news. And so today's our, our lucky day because I believe we need some good news for a change. And so we're starting a brand new series about the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. You see, the life and ministry of Jesus, Jesus came to present the good news And this series about Jesus will be leading up to to Easter Sunday. So we want to get started. 
Uh, there's never been anyone to walk the face of the earth quite like Jesus Christ. He was and still is uh, the most revered and the most loved person in all of human history. Jesus literally changed the world. The letters A.D. are the Latin abbreviation of the words Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he changed the calendar from B.C. to A.D. So every time you write the words March 4th, 2018, A.D., you're writing the words in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. He changed the calendar. He not only changed the calendar, but he has changed literally thousands of lives with the good news of his message. So what do we know about this man? What do we know about this man named Jesus? We know that he was born in an obscure stable in the backyard of a local inn in Bethlehem. We know that the angels announced his birth to a group of shepherds working the third shift. We know that magi, wise men from the east, followed the star and came and worshipped him. We know that from the very beginning, he was no ordinary child. In fact, his birth had been foretold by prophets, Jewish prophets, for hundreds of years Jesus fulfilled over 50 prophecies. Some of these prophecies were uh, upwards to 1,000 years old. And they were all chronicled in the Old Testament section of the Bible. So in this series leading up to Easter, we're going to talk about who Jesus is and what he came to do. So here's the first point. When you know who Jesus is... You will see who he's calling you to be. When you know who Jesus is, you will see who he's calling you, who he's calling you to be. Well, in today's message, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke. You've got Matthew, and this is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. So that's the third, uh, third, third book of the New Testament. Uh, chapter 4. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 4, we're going to see five things that Jesus came to do. Now, at this point in history, Jesus had been in public ministry for about a year. Jesus started his public ministry when he was 30 years old. So practically do the math. He's around 31 years old at this time. Now, Jesus uh, was, started his ministry in Galilee. So Galilee is in the northern part of the country of Israel. We actually have a team of Stevens Creekers in Israel right now. In fact, yesterday they were in uh, Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. Here they are right now, 17 Creekers right there on the Sea of Galilee. That was taken yesterday. And um, I was thinking, you know, I've never been to Israel. But I was thinking, you know, you need to look at that picture and see if you see yourself there next year. Okay, just think about that over the next several months, Uh, because I might just need to be in that picture next year, Um, because we need to, I think that's one of those things, I'm getting old enough to, I think I need to go, and so I want to put that on my my list, and maybe some of you need to do that too, that uh, 
that go ex- walk where Jesus walks. So um, I can't wait to hear their stories. They'll be back, um, I think, next Saturday. And so uh, get to hear their story. But anyway, we're talking about Galilee. They're actually in Galilee. Well, Jesus was preaching throughout Galilee. He was healing and he was doing miracles and uh, touching people. And the news of his ministry started to spread throughout the region. There came a point in Luke chapter um, uh, 4 that he uh, went to his hometown of Nazareth. And he, uh, when he went to his hometown, the news started to spread, Hey, Jesus is coming home. It was like a, he was a local hero. You know, the boy who made it big came home. It would be like somebody that made it big from Augusta coming back. It would be like uh, the, the guys from Lady Annabellum when they come home, you know, uh, local boys who made it big come home. Everybody's going to flood the Lady Eighth Amphitheater because, uh, you know, we feel like that we help them get to where they are, right? And so everybody's going to fill up the synagogue there in Nazareth because Jesus is there. We're going to pick up the story, Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 17. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Notice that he came in the power of the Spirit and news spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogue and everyone praised him. Notice this. He went to Nazareth. Nazareth is his hometown where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. I like that uh, section, of course, Um, as was his custom. In other words, he went to church every week. I like that. Okay, as was his custom, we need to make a custom to come to church on a regular basis. And so as he stood up to read, he stood up, um, he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found his place where it's written. So picture this. Jesus is in his hometown. The synagogue was packed out. It was like in my hometown, we had a Pack-a-Pew Sunday. Y'all probably don't have that in your hometown, but we had Pack-a-Pew Sunday. On Pack-a-Pew Sunday, you couldn't hardly find a place to sit. And so it's Pack-a-Pew Sunday in the synagogue in Nazareth. And so everybody was there. And so Jesus was there. And uh, he, they give him this scroll. They unroll it. It happens to be Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 and 2. It was an ancient prophecy about the coming Messiah. Jesus unrolls that. He begins to read. We see these words written now in verses 18 and 19. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and uh, for... Freedom, uh, good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Bible says at this point that Jesus rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant and then he sat down to speak. Now, interesting thing here. Now, in those days, the teacher would sit down to speak and the audience would stand up to listen. Interesting. Now it's reversed. Uh, Verse 21. He began by saying, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, if you were there on that day, 
when he said those words, there would be a tension in the room. At that moment, that room would be filled with an energy. They would say, what did he say? What Did I hear what he said? Did he say that, that this is fulfilled in this hearing? What? Because you see, for generations upon generations, they had been looking forward to the Messiah. They had been praying for the Messiah. They had been talking about and teaching that one day the Messiah was come, would come. They had ideas and they had beliefs about what he would look like. And now sitting in their presence, they're saying, they see Jesus saying, guys, I'm it. I am here. The Messiah has come. And in that moment, everything changed. Everything changed because they didn't know what to do with Jesus. They didn't know what to believe about Jesus. They didn't understand why Jesus came and who he came for. And so Jesus, in these verses, became crystal clear as to why he came and what he came to do. So in verse 18, Jesus cleared their thinking very quickly. And he said, he has anointed me. The Spirit has anointed me to proclaim good news. Good news to the poor. Now, when he says this, there are two sides he's talking about. He is talking about a practical side and a spiritual side. First of all, when Jesus said uh, the practical side to bring good news to the poor, he is talking about taking care of the under-resourced among us. Jesus encourages us to take care of those who are in need. And I'm telling you, that's why I love Stevens Creek Church. I love our church because of our work with the Dream Center. Our Dream Center on on, uh, Peach Orchard Road, do you realize that in 2017, we served... 13,500 under-resourced people in our community through the work in the Dream Center. You see, we don't want just to give people a handout, but we want to give them something that will help their hearts as well. But in addition to the the, uh, week-to-week work at the Dream Center, and some of you, I'm telling you, we're a volunteer-intensive organization, and I want to challenge some of you to roll up your sleeves and, and volunteer here at the Creek, whether it's on this campus or on our South Point campus or at the Dream Center. But uh, I'm telling you, I'm so excited about what's coming up, uh, Love Week. You know, every week we set aside... Um, Uh, really seven days of serving that we call Love Week. And this year, it's going to be off the charts because we are partnering with the YMCA. And I'm telling you, the YMCA in Augusta is a great, great organization. It's one of those top-tier organizations in our community. Top-tier. And they uh, they have a program called A Place to Dream. And um, And what they are doing is they are providing beds for children that do not have a bed to sleep on. And I'm telling you, it's moving. And so many of us are sheltered because we think that every child in this community has a bed to sleep on, a bed of their own, but they don't. 
Many of them are sleeping on the floor. Many of them are sleeping on couches. Many of them are sharing a, uh, a bed with two or three other siblings. And I'm telling you, on Love Week in April, what we're going to do as a church, we're going to partner with the Y, and we're going to provide resources, and we're going to provide manpower, and we're going to get behind this, and we're going to provide beds for under-resourced kids so that they can have a place to dream. Because we see this scripture where Jesus says, good news to the poor, we're going to do something about it practically. We're going to be practical about this. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. Jesus is speaking practically, but he is also speaking spiritually. He's talking about the spiritually poor. He's talking, when he's talking about spiritually poor people, he's talking about those individuals that do not understand God's plan for their lives. He's talking about those people who are empty on the inside. The word poor in the Greek gives us this idea of being hunched over. It gives us this idea of being uh, the weight of the world is so heavy that you're literally weighed down with the weight of the world that you're so empty on the inside that you can't bear the weight of the world so when jesus said that i bring good news to the poor he's talking about in the original language to those people that are hunched over weight down with the uh the weight of the world because they have no spiritual strength on the inside to cause them to stand up under the pressure of this world and he, he says to those individuals, I have good news. I have strength and I have power that I'm going to release inside of you that you don't have to go hunched down all throughout the week, but you'll have a, a strength inside of you that you'll be able to stand up under the pressure, that you'll have a new power and a new strength, that the anointing of God, the Spirit of God will live in you. So many times we live under our potential when it comes uh, to our spiritual blessings. God has so much more for us than what we are embracing. I'm telling you, I want more for you. And God wants more for you. I don't want us to go hunched over spiritually poor where we're so weak on the inside i want you to be filled with the life of god and filled with the spirit of god where you can rise up and be the people that god has intended and god has called you to be i said there's five things out of this passage that i see here's the first one why did jesus come first jesus came to give hope to the hopeless. When you are worn out by life and you feel as though you're carrying the weight of the world, remember this, Jesus is here to help you. Jesus is here to help you. Listen to his invitation. He says, come unto me, all you that are weary and burdened. You are hunched over hunched over, you're weary and burdened, you're carrying the weight of the world, you're hunched over and you're weary and burdened. He said, come, what? Not just some of you. 
He's saying all from the front to the back up into the risers. He said, come, come, all of you who are weary, you're hunched over, you're worn out, you're burdened in what? He said, I will give you what? Rest. But you've got to come. You've got to come. And he said, I will give you rest. You're going to have hope today. And hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus can change everything. There's five things I want to talk about today. Here's number two. Jesus came to heal the broken hearted. Now, so many times when we think about a broken heart, we have this mental picture of a graphic of a heart uh, that has a split in it. And we see two uh, sections of a heart and we say, oh, there's a broken heart. But that's not what this is talking about in the original language. In the original language, the broken heart gives us a picture of a heart that has been crushed beyond repair. It is broken in so many pieces that it is doubtful that it could ever be put back together again. That it is crushed. You've been crushed by things. Maybe you've been crushed because you lost your job. Maybe you've been crushed because you've lost the opportunity in your careers. And, and you just, you've studied and you've gotten your degree and you, you had this hope, but for whatever reason you couldn't pass the bar or maybe you couldn't pass uh, this exam. And, and all your hopes are crushed now. You've been crushed because of a loss of a dream or, or maybe you've been crushed because... Of a loss of a spouse, a broken relationship, maybe a loss of a child, maybe a loss of a parent. And you said it happened so suddenly that I didn't even get to say goodbye, that, that it happened in an instant. And now, uh, a year later, uh, two years later, it's still like a fog and you cannot believe it happened because it happened so quickly. And you're still just getting through the grief and your heart is just crushed. And it's tough. You know, I'm on the other side of the fence on that one. I know what it feels like to have that slow loss of a parent. My mom has Alzheimer's, and, and, you know, and I, I don't talk a lot about it, but I have talked about it some. And the challenge of that is it's the slow grieving process. It's the, the slowness of it, the, the, the month after month after month. And, you know, and so now you just start to measure things on like, well, we had a good day yesterday. Today was a good, yesterday was a good day. And so you don't talk about, well, last week was good. You just talk about, well, yesterday was good. And, you know, well, you know, we hadn't had to call the police in three, um, you know, recently, that kind of stuff. 
And so you start to look at that, you know, and, and you start to think, okay, now we're in year number, who knows, eight, maybe, six, eight, you know, because you really don't, sometimes you don't even know when it starts. But it's the slow goodbyes. And so when you deal with that, it's kind of interesting. So what you have to do is that you have to say, we're going to have to, we're going to try to find joy in the journey and that you're going to have to learn to laugh. And so we made it a point to laugh. Now, we, I will say this. We don't laugh near as much as we used to because there's not as many funny things anymore. But there, about, she's in a home now, but, um, but this time last year we took her up to the mountains and we're coming back from the mountains and we're riding through Athens, a lot of farmland. And she said, oh, I, I remember when I used to uh, be, uh, work, go to a farm when I was a kid. I said, yeah. I said, you probably went to... Uh, uh, Lloyd's farm, uh, Lloyd was uh, my great uncle and his wife was Beatty. And she said, yeah. She said, how do you know them? I said, well, I said, that's my great uncle Lloyd and, and my great aunt. She said, who are you? We're driving down the road. And I said, well, um, you're my mom and that's my dad. And she looked at me and she looked at my dad. She said, well, why didn't you tell me we had kids? <laughs> and so we have laughed at that. I mean, there's a number of those things we just have to laugh at. Because, you know, you learn to laugh at things and because so that you don't cry. And here's what we also understand. That God comes and heals the brokenhearted. And he binds up the wounds. And that's the important part here. That's in Psalm chapter 147 and verse 3. That he heals the brokenhearted. And many of you are brokenhearted. You're brokenhearted over that relationship. You're brokenhearted over that lost loved one. You're brokenhearted over that lost opportunity. God heals the brokenhearted. And what? He binds up the wounds. God will heal you. But here's the point. We've got to give it over to him. When we give God our hurts, he gives us his healing. When we give God our hurts, he gives us his healing. I want to talk about this healing a little bit. When we give God our hurts, he gives us his healing. I believe and I pray for my mom's healing. I am mature enough to know that my mom's healing. I pray for her to be healed, but her healing may not happen on this side. Her healing may not happen on this side. I am a Pentecostal, and I believe the Bible from cover to cover, and I believe and I pray for sick people, and I have seen sick people healed. And I'll pray for you, and in this series, we believe that. We will anoint people with oil and we will pray the prayer of faith and we will stand in faith believing that. But here's what. I am a broad thinker and I understand that God heals in a lot of different ways. Sometimes God heals instantaneously. Sometimes God heals through medicine. Sometimes God heals through diet and exercise. Sometimes God heals uh, through death. And it was, uh, God changed uh, Patty and I when we were, probably 25 years old when we had a, a sick baby on our hands 
And he was in an intensive care unit at University Hospital. And we went down there and we were anointing him with oil and we were believing him. We were praying scriptures over him. We were playing, praying scripture verses in there. And we felt like that God was going to heal this child. And we laid hands on him and four hours later he was dead. And, and we felt at that point God said, he's healed. And at that moment, we understood God's ways are higher than our ways. And we understand that healing, God's ways are much bigger than ours. And we have to think broader um, than we once thought. So, what am I saying? That we continue to pray and we continue to believe. And we put our faith and confidence in God who's going to work out every detail. And we know that that he is going to take care of us and he's going to bind up the brokenhearted and he's going to, he's going to heal the brokenhearted and he's going to bind up our wounds. When we give God our hurts, God gives us his healing. Let's press on. Uh, third thing, Jesus came to release the captives. We're talking about a physical reality, a spiritual reality. We believe that Jesus came to minister to those who are in prison. He teaches us to care for those who are in prison, even to the least of these Okay, a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. But he is also talking about those who are in self-imposed prisons or spiritual prisons. It could be an addiction there or people who have been enslaved to a sin and you feel like that you have a life uh, sentence. It could be some of those uh, who have been trapped in some sort of uh, lie, a lie that you're in that you've told or maybe a lie that's been told about you. Or, or maybe you are uh, entrapped by some type of guilt or shame or some type of bondage or some type of secrets or some type of fear. And, and you have this fear that maybe that secret is going to get out. And you're trapped by this thought that keeps on permeating your mind. And it's a destructive thought. And it's trying to tear you apart. And it steals your sleep. And where you feel terrible in the morning when you wake up because you laid awake worrying about this. Or this negative thoughts telling you that that you're never going to be anything these lies that are just stealing from you are from the enemy because you have to understand the devil is a liar he is the father of lies and when the devil speaks he speaks his native language satan comes to steal kill and destroy you but jesus comes to give you life and so that you can have it and have it more abundantly Here's the point. Fill it in the blank. Before the truth can set you free, you need to recognize which lie is holding you hostage. You need to recognize which lie is holding you hostage, and you need to rebuke the devil. You need to call it what it is. You're a liar. You're the father of lies. And you say, in the name of Jesus, you do not have authority. You don't have power over me. I command you to loose it in Jesus' name. That is the strength and that is the power you have in the name of Jesus. Here's the fourth thing. Jesus came to reveal God to the world. He says that, the recovery of sight for the blind. So Jesus is talking about blindness. 
Often in his ministry, he healed blind people. He touched their eyes so they could see. But that was a physical. There's a physical reality, but there's a spiritual reality. If you look at the Greek in this passage, he is referring to a mental blindness. There are many people who are mentally blind. In other words, it's this. He is saying those people that have a roadblock that keep them from faith. He is speaking to those people in that synagogue. And he's saying that many of you have a roadblock. You cannot see the Messiah because you're so, um, you're blind. You're spiritually blind through all of your traditions. And you can't see that the Messiah is sitting right in front of you. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. It said that the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. We need to press on. Here's the fifth and final one. That Jesus came to purchase your freedom. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is referring to the year of Jubilee. Let me explain this. The year of Jubilee is is rooted in the Sabbath rest. You know, the Ten Commandments. uh, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. You're supposed to have a year of rest. I mean, excuse me, a day of rest. But then every seven years, the land that you're farming was supposed to have a, a year of rest. But every 49 years, all of the debts were to be eliminated. And that was called the year of Jubilee. And so when Jesus came... And he was saying, the year, I proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's significant. Here's what it means. He was saying to them, you have a debt of sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The good news is this. You have a sin debt. But I am proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. You can be free of that. Here's the point. We are products of our past, but we don't have to be prisoners of it. Jesus came to set us free. Jesus came. First Peter chapter 1 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed with the empty way of life that was handed down from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus came to pay the price. This past week, I, uh, I heard this story and it just really moved me. And I, I thought, well, I need to know if this is true. So I put Kristen Evans, a team member, and I said, I said, Kristen, you need to find out if this thing is true. And so she just did some research for me. She sent me, she said, Marty, it's true. So I want to share it to you. because it's a true story. In World War II, there was a concentration camp that was full of uh, soldiers. And so they were imprisoned in this concentration camp. And every day they were given shovels and they had to dig ditches. And they started the day by counting the shovels and they ended the day by counting the shovels. And the reason that is they had to count every shovel because they the guards did not want one shovel missing because they didn't want a prisoner to dig out underneath the fence and to escape overnight because if they had a prisoner to escape, then the guards would be killed. And so meticulously, every morning they counted the shovels and every evening they counted the shovels. So they went to work, and one day they counted the shovels after a day's work, and one was missing. 
And so the guards called out all of the soldiers out and they lined them up in rows and they said, who stole the shovel? And nobody said anything. And they demanded and they put pressure and nobody said anything. They said, we're going to kill every one of you. And those soldiers knew that they were telling the truth. And they cocked their guns, getting ready to kill all of them. And finally, one man in the back said, I stole the shovel. And he came up and right in front of all of them, they shot and killed him right there. The next morning when they woke up, as with their custom, they counted the shovels. This time they realized they had miscounted because they had an extra shovel. They realized that the man had not taken the shovel, but that man knew that everyone was going to die. So he sacrificed his life so that they would live. And that's what Jesus did for you and me. He sacrificed his life for you and me. And when he talks about, I am here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, he said, I am sacrificing my life so that your debt, your sin could be wiped away. Your sin could be forgiven. So the question is, Will you accept his payment for your sin? Will you accept the gift of the forgiveness of your sin? Let's pray. Bow your heads. How many of you today will accept the free gift of the forgiveness of your sin that cost Jesus his life? He's the one in the back said, I will give my life so that you'll be free. I will pay the ultimate price so that you can be. I will proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor for you. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right across this room. All across this room, yes. You can put them down now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see the hands across this room. And Father, to those that have raised their hands, I ask God that you would extend your grace and your mercy. And Father, I pray specifically for those that did not raise their hand, but they know that this message is speaking to them. And to those that need to pray this prayer, I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, save me. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Say this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you'd have me to be. I receive forgiveness. I receive life. I receive hope. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, welcome to the family of God. Let's give him praise. Amen. Amen, amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.